you come to the Bible, you ask the Lord to help you understand it. Uh, we might be, we might have your theological degree and PhD, but you still need the Holy Spirit to teach you. And you might be uneducated. What I mean by that, you've never had a, a formal training. Guess what? The Holy Spirit can teach you too. So don't make an excuse and say, you know what? I'm not smart enough. I can't get all the big words. You know? Get a version you, you can read and understand. But see, beyond knowing, see, ignorance is one thing. Knowing is another thing. And practice is what it's all about. So if the gospel doesn't translate into life, it has no value. So here we hear the scriptures, and guess what? If we don't say, Lord, help me to live out what you're teaching me, renew my mind and change me, it's gone, it'll be nothing, zero. So it's a good reminder as we come to the Bible. And I've talked to Car Pastor Carlos. I said, you know, I want to encourage the church family. I know we keep it simple with uh, the printing. Uh, we, uh, we want the seeker-friendly deal uh, by having all printed out in, in the bullet for us. But you know, there's a church in Berea, and that's 17. And he said this, Paul and Silas, uh, they, they visited the church of Berea. And he said, when the Jews were more noble, these Jews were more noble than the others in Thessalonica, they received the word with all eagerness. I don't know about you when I receive it. Do I receive it with eagerness? I say, well, let me think about it. I've heard so many sermons on that. Maybe I've got to see if it's one, two, or three. Or is it something for me? God, what do you have for me? They received it with all eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Now, I mention that to you because my practice here, <coughs> I might sometimes gets me about taking notes, but I take notes, and guess what? I go back and read over the scripture again because I want to know what God has for me in that book. All the scriptures focus on one person, Jesus Christ. See him as a prophet to teach, see him as a priest to intercede, or you see him as a king of ruling. You mean you see in every verse? I'm saying that's what the scriptures are all about. He, he even said that to his, his uh, disciples when he rose. He appeared to them on the, on the Emmaus road and he, he taught them all things in the scriptures concerning himself. And then he came, he not only lived among us and then he arose, but guess why? He's coming again. Until he comes again, he still rules the church. Through the church, through the weakness of all the leadership. He still rules the church. And uh, he's working through the church. So as we come to this passage in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, I want to ask the Lord to help us to understand it and to speak to each of us where we are. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for your word and we're thankful for the privilege of opening it. Lord, I want to thank you for putting, giving us the Bible in our own language. There's still many, many people around, people groups around this world who have never had a portion of Scripture in their own language. Would you not speed that day? And use us where you can see fit to help. But help us here now today to, Lord, to take, the, we would ask you to remove the distractions and all the things that would hinder us understanding that you're here with us to teach us. Give us ears to hear. Speak to us with you. And help me to be clear and help it to be meaningful and also that it would
something in your week that you didn't plan and you say, I wonder why in the world that was there? Well, on Friday afternoon, I noticed that one of my tires was losing, losing the air. So I have a little contraption and I tried to blow it up a little bit, didn't face it too much. So I said, I would better take care of this. So I got there and guess what? They said, an hour and a half. Of course, me being so impatient, called my wife and said, what else should I do? She says, study. <laughs> so, no, I'm, 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 I'm working on patience. So I, I said, I'll just wait here. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, another mechanic came out from the back part and he said, uh, what's your problem? I said, I, have, I think I have that. He said, well, you better show me it because you might need a tire. Oh, we all? Oh, okay. So uh, I said to him, going back, I said, you know, it's interesting. There's nothing happens in our life by chance. All these things work out by someone. So he didn't say much. I showed him the tire, back, the back passenger's tire. He came he, on the way back into the shop. He said to me, he said, you know, I have a Christian background. He said, Roman Catholic Baptist. But now, I'm an atheist. I'll tell you, knock me over. I said, so I didn't say anything. Went over and waited until the two of my car was repaired. I said, Lord, why? What happened? So I found out there's a little piece of glass in my tire that made it lose its pressure. And they were able to fix it. But I went back and I said to him, I said, you made a remark about your background. You really touched me. Would you like to check? Said, yeah, I'd like to check. I said, well, you tell me, and I'll give you my number, you call me. Now, I haven't called me yet. And I'm not holding my breath. But you know what? I, made it, I believe that God providentially put me in his life. And I don't know, I'm, I'll tell you what I'm learning from it. There are a lot of people that have been in the church, that are in the church, and they've drifted far from the church. They've had a bad experience. They, they see we're full of hypocrites, all but them. <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing, let me just say something about a hypocrite, okay? We all sin. The hypocrites defend their sin. Be careful. We all know. And particularly when I have the high honor of being a pastor or preacher of the word, the, the, the responsibility is free. We don't want to let sin in our lives, even little ones, and say, well, no one knows that. You know, it's wonderful the Lord gives us what we need, not what we deserve, because if we practice down when we sin, who could stand, as the song says. So, anyway, I don't know what will come of that, that conversation, but it made me think, providentially, God works in our lives teaching us things, and uh, bringing to me uh, something that's been on my heart, because I see, again, that everything gets back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know when you hear that word, you say, well, I'm familiar with that, I know all about it. But if you think about it, in a, in a wonderful way, in perfect timing, God sent His Son, He lived among us, He lived a perfect life, He loved people, but he hated hypocrisy. He hated the religious leaders, and uh, they ended up actually crucifying him. 
And God didn't allow his sacrifice to be without reason because through his death, uh, we believe they're alive. And so uh, we have new life in Christ. Now, why I say that is, uh, I think it's very easy to know that, have that knowledge, and it never touches other areas of our life. And I'm going to use one illustration that has been on my heart. It's from the life of Paul. And if you know, uh, if you've read that in the, in the book of Acts, you know, Paul was there when, when Stephen was stoned, so he gave his blessing on that. And God wasn't finished with Stephen, with, uh, with Paul yet, because Paul said, He's going to go out and start taking captive the, uh, the Christians in Damascus. And so God said, when God says enough is enough, he's going to come after you. So wherever you are in the journey, you can't flee from him. And God stopped, stopped and did that, struck him down. And then he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now you're familiar with that. And that's his Hebrew name is his Roman name is Paul. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, who was being persecuted? Jesus. No, his people. He was trying to wipe out God's people. And any time God's people are touched, he is touched. We're linked to him. So here they're being persecuted, and who feels it? They feel it, but also he feels it. So he said, Paul, you're persecuting me. And of course, he asked the question, who are you? And uh, I love that story uh, in Acts 9. But we're going to get into a little bit here this morning in 1 Corinthians 15. The reason why I say that is I, I think Paul never let his relationship to Jesus Christ grow cold. It, it, it energized him. He, was, he had a passion for the message of the gospel, because here was a mess. He was, he was a brilliant man. He had it all together, but he didn't know why he was there. He didn't know the meaning of life. He was trying to find it. And all of a sudden, he realized that Jesus Christ not only died for him, but lives not only in him, but for him. And so Paul, uh, when he's writing to the church of Corinth, that God used him to help plan many, many years ago, there, and by the way, Corinthians is a typical church. Guess what? It had problems. And so how did Paul face the church in Corinth? He preached to them Christ, the gospel. And he uh, didn't say, well, close your eyes on the problems. No, they're there. You've got to deal with them. That's why the Lord made us, to deal with the problems, to work through them, to pray together, and to be restored. And through that book, uh, he, uh, he, he again brings it out. But now in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, uh, there was a question about the resurrection. What about people that die? Where are they? And he deals with that in the latter part of the book. But in the first part, he just goes over the gospel. And uh, Jason read it for us, but he said, Remember, the gospel I preached to you, you received, you stand, uh, in which you stand, and, and you're being saved. I love that. You're not fully there yet, but you're in the process. God's continued to change you. And uh, he said, I delivered to you and how Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. So it wasn't done in the, in, over in, in sort of the uh, corner somewhere. This, everyone knew about it. Christ arose. Did everyone understand it? No. 
And these people, the, the disciples gave their lives for the gospel. If you read, read the end of their lives, they were willing to die. See, many times we think, well, if we, if we believe, we're going to be, you know, there, there's something wrong with us. No. Believing in Christ will change your life. Definitely. And so he, he, said, he gets back over that whole, the whole gospel message of Christ appearing. And then he, he says in verse 9 and uh, 10 and 11, he says that, uh, he says, last of all, as one in untimely, as one untimely birth born, he appeared to me. That's the road to Damascus. He appeared to me. Guess what? When we believe, we have an encounter with Christ. You might not fully understand, but we know that when he did, he died for me. And he has given me his righteousness. And he's taken my sin. And that trans, that, trans, that, uh, that change he brings about in our hearts. And Paul never forgot that. But I look, verse 10, and I want us to focus on this. It'll be very, I shouldn't say it won't be, it'll be brief because I don't know what brief means, but in verse 10, <laughs> but, he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than all of them, even though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so we believe. Now, what consumed Paul? The grace of God. And let me just say that that verse 10 has helped me to understand myself. There's two things you need to know in life. Yourself and God. He's inexhaustible. And we don't really know ourselves very well. But what he's saying here, I am what I am. He's talking about your physical, your whole upbringing, all that you are, whether you're, what gender you are, what background, all that. I am what I am by the grace of God. God didn't say, well, you know what, I'm going to make a piece of junk and throw it over here. That's you. No, he made you in his image. So by virtue of creation, God has made you what, who you are. And Paul understood that. And what brought it about? The gospel. Christ. Christ changed him and made him aware that each day he has one day to live for God. Today. Uh, yesterday's past. Tomorrow's not here, so I got today. And guess what? Today, I am what I am by the grace of God. And then I started thinking, was well, more than just who I am, uh, in the sense of all the details regarding that, but guess what? What he's done, he's redeemed me. He's brought me out of darkness to light. He's brought me to himself. And so the message of Christ in his life, the message of grace and peace and joy, never continued to motivate him with all he's doing. So here he's writing about the resurrection and trying to help the church through what happens to those who die. Guess what? He's back to the gospel, the Christ. And he uh, said, I am kind of by the grace of God. Uh, I said, thank you, Lord. I'm a slow learner. But guess the second thing he, said, he, he tells me. He said, and his grace toward me was not in vain. You know what? God just poured it out, but he made a mistake. Because it doesn't have any value to the person who's receiving. No. Every person. He's seeking to make us in his very image. So when he pours his grace into our life of forgiveness and his love and care, guess what? He's got a purpose in it. Now that doesn't mean you sign up and become a preacher. Be nice. 
But it means that I will do what God wants me to do. It means my life is not my own. I belong to Him. And so wherever He puts me today or the rest of my life is for His glory. I love what the, what the psalmist says in, uh, in uh, Psalm 138. He, he says, the Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Beautiful verse. But we had uh, Philip read Philippians, uh, Ephesians 2, verse 10. That whole passage on grace. And he's, he, again, in that passage, uh, Paul reminds them that, that uh, it's the grace of God. We were dead and He made us alive. And in verse 10, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So you never lost sight that not only God's grace made Him who He is, and for what purpose, but then the third thing is, He says, but I labored more abundantly than they all. In other words, I was, I, was, I was wanting to serve him where he placed me with all the energy he's given. See, if he calls you, he's going to give you the grace to do it. And by the way, let's, let's make it clear. You don't have to be in vocational ministry to be a minister to, be, to serve the Lord. Wherever he's placed you, we're salt and light. And so what happens? It's, our, it's our, not only our deeds, but our words that permeate the culture. But sad to say... Many of us just pull back and say, you know, I'll be a Christian in, in, in the full woods, walls of the church. It's not Christianity. Christianity is to, is to be fired up here to go forth and to be salt and light with the Lord's place. And by the way, it's not easy. That's why you need His grace to do. And His grace energizes you. It enables you to see that, Lord, I am here for a purpose. And I want to ask you to help me. And I want to conclude by saying in the last part of that verse, he learned a great lesson. They could give. But the grace of God that was with, he said it was not through, though, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Guess what? God's interested in getting all the glory. I've said this to people and I'm trying to die. How can God use you or me and still get all the glory? The only answer I can come up with is he uses you and doesn't tell you he's using you. And I got a lot of illustrations on that. I have one that goes back 60 years where a man, God used him in my life as a teenager. Say, you think my age now, but as a teenager, and I was struggling with not only my Christianity, but another matter of, of what, what, what are you doing? And God used this person, this man, in my life. And he, I never knew it. I mean, he never knew it until 60 years after. And I finally contacted him. I called him. I wrote him, and I called him, and now I visited him down in North Carolina. Why I say that is that you didn't know, but that's what God wants. Let God use you and let him get the glory. Because many times we say, well, how many people appreciate what I'm doing? Maybe you're not going to get any. That's not the issue. Who's getting the glory? Yeah. So that means you can help a little old lady across the street and give him the praise. She might not be might be So uh, that was Paul. And uh, Paul never got away from the gospel of Christ. And I just pray that this morning as we prepare for communion, that the Lord will help us to see again that the message of the gospel is not something historically correct, which it is, but it's today meaningful to where we are. In whatever your situation you face, 
you're discouraged, whatever it is you're facing, big situation bigger than you, not bigger than him. And because Christ lives, we too shall live. And that's the hope we have today as we go. So whatever you're struggling with this morning, I just pray that again, as we prepare for the communion table, that your heart will be, say, Lord, show me your will. Help me to know you. If you don't know the Lord, call out and say, Lord, help me to know you. I want to know you. I hope it is a prayer of all of us as we gather for the communion table. Uh, let us close in prayer. Lord, I thank you for uh, this opportunity. I pray that you'll use these few remarks from your word.